All right, let's go. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a, man, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And this is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even if I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Amen. I want to begin a brand new series here today called Love Connection. Love Connection. Some of you that are old enough will remember the Love Connection. But I went to YouTube and I, and I just typed in Love Connection and then it brought all these, these shows up. Uh, of the love connection and so I watched a couple clips because I, I wanted to uh, somehow connect with you and, and, and understand uh, what this was and so what love connection was was a, a man or a woman who and I can't even believe people signed up for this but, but they, they signed up to be on this show and, and then there would be three people of the opposite sex, men or women, that they could choose from to go out on a date in an attempt to make a love connection. And some of what I seen was very humorous as, as people chose somebody completely random, somebody that, that, well, okay, let's liken it to something most of you are more familiar with, The Bachelor. I can't even begin to understand how you could make a love connection in such an adverse environment. And, and what I came out of the clip I'd watched about the love connection was, it was more of a lust connection than it was a love connection. Because... Love is a word that is so loosely thrown around that it doesn't really have any depth or meaning. We, we have evolved into a, into a society that for the most part has very little commitment or loyalty. I mean, 
Seriously, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we can, we can change pretty quick. I mean, it doesn't take us long to move from one thing to another thing to another thing. I mean, we're just, we're kind of driven like that. I mean, you can be sitting on your couch and you, an advertisement come on the TV and you go trade cars. I mean, you don't even like Captain Crunch, but you see an advertising, you're at H-E-B picking up some Captain Crunch. That's just typical of the society in which we live. Marriages don't last. Relationships don't last. There's not a lot of loyalty to a company that you work for. I mean, people leave one job for a 25 cent raise and it costs them $10 more a week to go for gas. It is just the society that we're living in. And so I, I really think they should have named the show Lust Connection. Because James would say that we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own lust, our own desires. What is lust? Lust really just is, is the, uh, not having the ability to control your desires. We just come out of the series about habits. Habits are about making up your mind to do something. I'm going to eat a certain way regardless of where I'm at. We're going to eat a certain way. We're going to be disciplined in a certain way. We're going to be a constant. See, that's what love is. Lust is temporary. Love is a constant. Love is a constant. I mean, how many of you put your children up for adoption when they disappointed you? When they didn't mind you. When they got in trouble at school. Oh, we're just going to put, that one turned out really bad. We're going to put that one up for adoption and we'll get another one. No. Even though you might have been disappointed, you still loved that child. I don't care. Some of you have dealt with some very ginormous issues with your children and your family. But you didn't wander away from your family. You are still even sticking with them because there is a love connection. Not just a nativity connection, but a love connection. When we think about God, how many times would God have given up on us if his love was not constant? Oh, that's a good point for a little praise break right there. How many times would God have just thrown us to the rubbish pile and said, you know what, you just keep messing up, you keep making mistakes, but the Bible tells us one thing about God. It says God is long-suffering usward. Woo. See, my Lord have mercy. Genesis 1, God created the earth. Genesis 2, he gives us an explanation of how he created man and, and, and woman. Genesis 3, man falls. 
And yet the entire thesis statement of the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. If you want to read the thesis of the entire book, read Genesis 3 and 15. I will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman, and thy seed shall bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent shall bruise his heel. What's he saying? I'm not casting humanity away. Through humanity will come an answer to sin. I love the world. Our, our staple verse is found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13. I didn't think I'd get excited, but I'm really getting excited about this now. Because Jesus, the, Jesus would say to Nicodemus in 3.16 that God so loved the world that he sent me into the world to, to pay the price of redemption. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a love connection. Woo! God. He loved Israel. See, God's biggest problem, and I think this is a problem that, that some of us need to address in our own life. God's biggest problem when he brought Israel out of Egypt, the problem was not getting them out of Egypt. It was getting Egypt out of them. <laughs> The problem is not God delivering you from the world. The problem is getting the world out of us. Know ye not that you're in the world, but you're not of the world. See, when you are born again, as Jesus would say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when you are born again, ladies and gentlemen, we take on a new nature. He's bringing us out of the world that he might bring us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so God is bringing Israel out of Egypt, but, but he's having a hard time getting Egypt out of them. But he never quits loving them. I mean, they would serve him. He would bless them. They would get, a, you know, just a, an abundant blessing. And all of a sudden, they would become drunk on their blessing. They would be so consumed with their blessing that they would abandon him. And when they abandoned him, their life began to know. See, that's why pastor was so passionate about teaching us on habits. Because if we can get in the habit of just doing the right thing day after day, we're not going to get drunk on the blessings and the successes and the abundance that God brings into our life. If we can have a habit that we do every single day, I'm going to pray whether I have it or not. I'm going to pray whether it comes or not. I'm going to live for God whether I feel like it. Faith is not a feeling, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is a habit. Faith is something that you say I believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him my love see too many of us we have this love that goes up and down up and down even sociologists will tell you that if you've been married even a long time you will fall in and out of love with the person now they use the word love I think love is a constant but but the way you feel about love you may get up one morning and your spouse they just really tick you off 
The bacon's burnt. The toast is burnt. They didn't get you coffee. I mean, you just, I mean, you're on a thread, and man, the thread breaks, and, and you're just like, oh, God, what in the world? But you get up tomorrow, and the coffee's right, and the bacon's right, and the toast is right. Oh, man, this woman is the greatest good God Almighty. I, I married above myself. Oh, see, that's just the feeling. But love says, I'm going to stay with her even if she doesn't something that makes me upset I'm gonna love she has to do the same with you but love is constant and so Israel would would get drunk on the blessing see that's why I believe and we're gonna deal with John 15 here before I run out of time but that's why I believe if we begin to understand what love is we will fall in love with the blesser and not the blessing. We will fall in love with Jehovah and not the Jireh portion of Him. We will fall in love with the healer and not the healing. So Jesus said, I am the true vine. Now, understand the context and where the disciples have been. They have been in an upper room with Jesus the last few hours, the last few days of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. They have witnessed the event as Judas betrays or walks out of, of their, their gathering. And, and Jesus does not stop him. See, one of the things that we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that Jesus loves you enough to let you walk away. Because he understands if he keeps you against your will... It's, you're not there because you love him. You, the old adage is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Jesus could have forced Judas to stay, but he wouldn't have been staying out of a desire to be there. See, you got a desire, you got to develop a desire to be in his house. You've got to develop a desire to talk to him through prayer. You've got a desire to develop a desire to read his love letters called the Bible. You have to develop that in your life. He's not going to force you to the ground, put his foot on your neck, and say, You're going to love me or else. He loves you enough to let you walk away from Him without restraining you. You want a definition of love? The Bible said that the rich young ruler came to Jesus and Jesus loved him. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I believe, ladies and gentlemen, it was not just a rhetorical question. I believe it was something the young man was passionate about. He wanted to know, what is eternal life going to cost me? 
I think we do people a disjustice when we just tell them, come on in and be a part and we, you know, just uh, bring your sin and bring your lifestyle and just live any way. No, the grace of God is a call out of sin. The grace of God is a call that's going to cost you something. It's not, hey, let me just tell you, when you make up your mind to serve Jesus, all hell is going to be unleashed against you. When you decide to love him, him, uh, the hound dogs of hell are let loose uh, and they're coming after you. You've got to make up your mind uh, that come whatever may, I'm going to love him. Uh, I'm going to love him uh, whatever it costs me. Uh, I'm going to love him whatever price I have to pay. Uh, you may have to walk away from some friends uh, and some people that you really appreciate and like, uh, but you got to love him uh, more than anything in this world. Uh, you got to love him above everything. Because truthfully, ladies and gentlemen, that's how he loved us. And all he is asking for is that we love him the same way that he has loved us. That's all he's asking for. You want the love connection? Here it is. Love him the same way that he loved you. How did he love me? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you. He loved you enough to come take your place and receive your death sentence. Can you imagine somebody that's on death row? I don't know of a person in here today that would just walk up to a random stranger on death row and say, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to take lethal injection for you. But that's exactly what Jesus did for us. We had a death sentence over our head. And he walked up and said, let me take humanity's place. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says, we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's love. That's love, ladies and gentlemen. And so he watched as a young, rich young ruler said to him, I want eternal life. I'm interested in eternal life. And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And he said, well, I've done that. I've, I've, I'm good. I've, I've got that covered. He said, one thing you lack. And this is a love issue, ladies and gentlemen. He said, one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, come take your cross and follow me. And the Bible said that the rich young ruler went away sorrowfully because he had many possessions. But I want to tell you today, it wasn't his possessions that was the problem. It was his love. I want that to marinate for just a moment. It was his love. His love for temporal things was greater than his love for eternal things. It was not the things he had. If Jesus was in financial crisis, he could have went and sold some gold out of the mountains. 
It wasn't a financial issue that Jesus said, hey, the church is in trouble, we need an offering. He was testing the love and the affection that the man had in his life. Remember the story, and we're going to talk about it in the next few weeks, where, where Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? Peter, after the resurrection, had went back fishing. He's got some fish now. The very thing that Jesus called him from, he went back to. And so Jesus said, Peter, I've got a question for you. Do you love these, these fish, your career, what I called you from, more than you love me? And I think that's the question that all of us eventually have to answer. What do we love most? What do we love most? Do you love me more than these? I've got I to gotta get back to John chapter 15. But this is vitally important because you've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that God loves us enough to let us go back to where we came from without penalty necessary in this life. He won't harass you. He won't chase you down. Once you acknowledge your affection, He'll leave you alone. But His love is constant. It never changed. It did not change for the rich young ruler, even though the rich young ruler decided to walk away. His love remained constant. So, John said, I am the true vine. They had been through all the events leading up to this point. In the last verse of John chapter 14, verse 31, says that Jesus said, Arise, let's go. They had been in an upper room for a few days now. They had observed what we call communion, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And Jesus said, All right, let's go. We've got to get out of this environment. And so they are walking, scholars say, between Bethany and Capernaum. And apparently they walk by a vineyard. And Jesus uses this as a great object lesson. And he walks up to the vine and he says, I am the true vine. In other words, in case you're wondering if there are other vines, there are. There are other sources of life. There are other things that you can pledge your allegiance to. But I am the true vine. If you're going to have the truest source of life, then you've got to be tapped into me. I, I, I think one of the things, the greatest things as a pastor that I have a desire in my life to do is to get people to tap into the true vine. Because I understand one thing and I understand one thing very well. I preach to people who are tapped into all kinds of sources. I I preach to people who are getting a counterfeit satisfaction. Yeah. 
because you're tapped into a vine, but it's not the true vine. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that's why we fluctuate so much. But if we can get tapped into the true vine, there will be a source of steady flow. I believe this is what the psalmist was saying when he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't believe this was some kind of superficial words that he was saying that, well, I'm just going to say this to make people feel better. I think he understood that when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He understood. The next part said, I shall not want. Can I help somebody understand today? If you will tap into the true vine, there will be a satisfaction in your life, regardless of what's going on, regardless of your emotions, regardless if you're up or you're down, regardless if you have it or you don't have it, there will be a source of constant supply. I believe this is what the Bible said when he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I may not get to hear on a Sunday morning and get rejuvenated but I'm tapped into the vine I'm tapped into a constant source oh can I preach to somebody today I am the true vine ye are the branches in other words what you are producing what I am producing is a result of the vine that we're tapped into Think about that for a moment. Think about that. What we produce in our life, the fruit of our life is a product of the vine that we're tapped into. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. See, if all you do on a Sunday is come to Joel's bar and take you a glass of wine and walk out, your life vacillates. Sustainable love is only as sustainable as its source. That's why people go from one relationship to another. Because this person made me feel good today. But they didn't make me feel good tomorrow. And it's somebody else next week. And it's somebody else next week. And you're drinking of water, but it's not sustainable. One of the sternest rebukes you'll ever find in the Bible is in the book of Jeremiah. When, when Jeremiah, through the word of the Lord, said to Israel, he said, you have hewn out cisterns and you have left the fountains of living water. You have went days without seeking me and you're drinking from cisterns. What is a cistern? 
A cistern is a big hole that they'll get in the ground and they'll lay brick up and they'll stucco it and make it where it is watertight and then they run the gutters into it and it collects, it's a collection of water. But its source is only when it rains. If you've ever drunk from a spring in the mountains, that's the source of God's love. But when we're tapping into artificial sources, those sources are dependent upon something else for their supply. God, I feel like preaching a moment. Their consistency is dependent upon something else to supply their source. So Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And what you're bearing when you're tapped into me is good fruit. And he said, here's what happens. If a branch is not growing fruit, my father cuts it away. And he said, every branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes it. We had a grape arbor growing up, and I remember many years, Mom making grape jelly and grape jams and, and uh, all kinds of grape juice and uh, all kinds of products with, with the grapes off that arbor. And one, one year, one year, the arbor greened up and the leaves, and it's beautiful, and it looks like we're going to have a, a, a harvest of grapes. But as we watched throughout the summer months, there were no grapes on the arbor. Leaves, man, it looked beautiful. It's kind of like the fig leaf Jesus talked about in Matthew 21. It was beautiful. It was green. It was gorgeous. It had all the characteristics of having fruit, and there was none. And so my father got a hold of of uh, a person that dealt in uh, horticulture uh, issues and he came to the house and he took one look at it and he said, sir, he said, have you ever pruned your vineyard? My dad's like, no, no, never touched it. In all the years we've lived there, never touched it. Just got the grapes. And the man took a set of loppers and he went to where the main vine was coming out of the ground and he clipped it right at that vine and my dad about had a heart attack I mean he's like man you just killed the arbor and the gentleman looked at my dad and he said get all this cleaned off he said clean the entire arbor off Get rid of all of that. I remember it became my job and a couple of my sisters and we got all the branches and stuff cleaned off the arbor. We wondered if they were gonna if it was gonna grow. I remember the spring when the cold had left the air and the sun was warming the ground. 
there were some green spouts started coming off of the vine. And before the growing season was over, the entire arbor was once again covered with fresh green branches. And I think we had more grapes that year than we'd had in any year before. Because he says, I don't want the source going to the dead areas of your life. So I will prune the unproductive areas of your life. See, God would say, as many as I love, I will chasten. My simple subject today was just the sustainable source. There is no other constant source of love other than God. First John would tell us that I love him because he first loved me. Lust is temporary. Love is constant. God brought you into his kingdom to be fruitful and to multiply. It's what he told Adam when he made him. He said, be fruitful and multiply. We can grow. We can produce. We can be successful in areas of our life tapped into other vines but it will be short lived and the fruit will perish Paul said every man's works will be tried of fire to see whether they're of wood hay or stubble when we get deeper into this subject in John 15 one of the things that Jesus said is he said I want your fruit to remain God did not save you temporarily. He saved you for eternity. I don't know if you can grasp the gravity of that right there. He did not save you temporary. He saved you and put eternal life inside of you. Mm. It's a sustainable source. He does not want you in the church today and going next week. He doesn't want you to live a life that vacillates up and down and your emotions control you. I feel good today, so I love him. I feel bad tomorrow, so I don't. But a love that's sustainable. I love the sustainable. What keeps a marriage together for 30 or 40 or 50 years? Uh, sustainable love. Dealing with things you don't like and things you like. Uh, and just saying, we're going to stick this out. Because our love is not going to be dictated by my feelings uh, and my emotions. Uh, but I'm going to love you today. And I'm going to love you tomorrow. And I'm going to love you the next day. You will do things to disappoint me. And I will do things to disappoint you. But we will not let that be the catalyst uh, to break the source. Uh, and to cut the source. Because love, uh, it never fails. 
fails. Love is a constant. Love can be something that's with you thick and thin. See, love is more than just loving for the good times and not the bad, but in sickness and in health. I'll be with you rich or poor, baby. You're going to have to put up with me. I'm going to stay with you. I made up my mind that love is not vacillating by my how I feel or by my emotions or the way the day is going. I love you in spite. That's what God says. I love you when you sin and I love you when you're not sinning. My love is constant. I'm here in the good times, baby, and I'm here in the bad. That's the love connection. That's the love connection.